Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, ladies, Kristen here. I'm shaking things up today and bringing y'all a preview from a new podcast I'm really enjoying and I know y'all are going to enjoy because it's about something a number of you listeners have requested that unladylike cover. So the podcast is called The Loudest Girl in the World, and it's hosted by Lauren Ober, who you might know from some other podcasts she's made, like Spectacular Failures and The Big Listen. Growing up, Lauren was always getting into trouble. She had a lot of sensory issues, and her anxiety felt off the charts. In late 2020, in her 40s, and in the smack dab of a global pandemic, she finally found out why. She's autistic. Now, Lauren's always been a big talker and very social, so she might not be what you think of when you think of autism, if you think about autism. And that's her point, to try to get you to change your ideas about autism. The Loudest Girl in the World is the story of Lauren's journey to understand what it means to be on the autism spectrum and how to live life as a newly diagnosed autistic person. She talks about everything from the childhood experiences that colored her perception of herself to the problematic history of autism evaluation tests to the not-so-easy time she had telling her family and friends about her diagnosis. The Loudest Girl in the World is about finding yourself broken in an unexpected place and emerging a mostly glued-back-together person. Okay, here's the preview. I hope y'all like The Loudest Girl in the World as much as I did. You can hear the full episode and more from The Loudest Girl in the World wherever you get podcasts. For years, maybe even decades, life just seemed harder than it should have been for me. And then, in the middle of a global pandemic when the entire world was on fire and we were all reevaluating our lives, I went searching for answers. And I found them in a diagnosis I never could have anticipated. So I want to tell you about a formative event that led me to this place of self-discovery. It happened in my sixth grade year, and looking back at it now, it feels like my entire elementary career was leading up to this one moment— but before I can tell you about that, I have to take you for a wander through little Lauren Land, my mom, Kathy. Lauren had a difficult time connecting yeah. with kids always <laughs> from the time she was young, when, when we would have play dates and stuff. And yeah. she'd want to play her own thing. And the girls that came over would want to do something different. And so they'd be, you know, doing it. Usually, usually more girly than mm -hmm. what Lauren wanted. Yeah. Spot on, Dad. That checks out. 
not a lot of Barbie friend time for me. Also, her, quote, disruptive behavior, there was no mean intent behind it. She could not manage herself in a classroom setting and not not being able to be the one who was talking. Um, that always stood out. All that caused some problems for little Lauren in school, because apparently not everyone likes to be talked to or at while they're sitting at their desk trying to concentrate on their times tables. And apparently, teachers don't like it when students talk incessantly. It kind of disrupts their whole flow. So all this means that little Lauren, that's me, was in trouble a lot in elementary school. I was often ejected from class and forced to sit in the hall by myself, my desk would be moved next to the teachers. And numerous times, teachers tried and failed to institute a sticker-based reward system to get me to quiet down, as if I would stop talking for a lousy sticker. One of my more memorable punishments was the wall. The wall was where the naughty kids spent recess. Basically, a teacher would discipline me, saying, you're going on the wall which meant that for the whole of recess, I was to stand against an outer wall of the school. My fellow baddies and I had to have one part of our bodies touching the wall at all times, and there was absolutely no talking. The wall is pretty memorable and looms large in my inner child psyche. Like, damn, I did a lot of standing against cold brick when I was a kid. If you're a teacher and you're listening, don't use any of these punishments on your students. They're humiliating and scarring, and unless you want to foot the bill for their therapy, you should think about some more humane alternatives. But when I think about my talking and how much trouble it got me in, the wall or the hall banishment or the desk next to the teacher are not the punishments I keep coming back to over and over. That would be the box. The box event happened on Halloween 31 years ago, and it came up recently on a trip home to see my folks. I was in the car driving with my mom, Kathy, who I call Kathy, and my stepdad, Bob. We're talking about Halloween costumes and whether any of my childhood looks would ever preclude me from getting nominated to, say, the Supreme Court. Now, I'd say my lack of a law degree might be the first disqualifier there, but you never know these days. To be nominated for the Supreme Court, would it be Lauren? Could you? No, you'll never find those photos. Who has those photos? That's right. That was pre-internet. Pretty sure there's nothing objectionable about a devil or a clown costume. Some of my early Halloween hits. But then I start thinking about my favorite costume ever, my Pippi Longstocking ensemble. I'll never forget. I mean, my Pippi Longstocking costume is forever mired. You're forgiven if you don't know who Pippi Longstocking is but barely. Pippi is a fictional character from a Swedish children's book. She has red hair and also a horse and a monkey and a righteous sense of justice. And if that isn't fun enough, Pippi is also a little bit naughty orphan with superhuman strength. She's pigtails. She's freckles. She's fun if you're young or old. And she's loved the world over. She's Pippi Longstocking. Pippi was a real idol of mine. I truly thought I was her in my extremely on-point costume. But when I think about my costume, I inevitably think of the box. 
because the two are forever linked. I was so proud of that costume. It should have been my best Halloween ever. But then the box incident occurred, and my memory of that day is fully tainted. Oh, I know, because you were... Because why? Confinement. Yeah. By whom? Not by me, the teacher. Patty Patterson. Yeah. Put me in a cage. More accurately, it was a box. A three-sided box, like the size of something your new refrigerator might come in. Also, if it sounds like Kathy and I are harsh with each other, well, that's just the way we talk. I can't believe that. It Not was in Citri. Yes, it was. Don't you remember? You were a homeroom mom and you I came in. I remember that, but I didn't remember the teacher. I don't remember what year. I was a homeroom mo- mom every year. I want you to picture this. It's a sixth grade classroom and the blackboards are decorated with ghosts and ghouls for Halloween. All the desks are in neat rows facing the front with little treat bags on them organized by the homeroom moms. There were no homeroom dads. LOL, this was 1991. The kids are milling around their desks, comparing candy and showing off their costumes. But then... And there's a little desk at the back and whose desk is it? <laughs> whose desk was it? It was yours. And, and what was around the desk? Cardboard or some sort of partition. Yeah, a three-sided cardboard box. My desk wasn't in any of the neat rows. My desk was at the back of the classroom with a giant cardboard partition around it, like six feet tall. I couldn't see my classmates and they couldn't see me, which was a shame because my costume really was the most dope. For the life of me, I can't remember what I did to get put in the box. Probably murder, also arson. No, I can only guess that the partition went up both as a punishment for some chatting-related violation and to prevent me from talking to my classmates, also from distracting them with any antics. Or maybe Miss Patterson was trying to preempt any shenanigans from happening. Who knows? Why? (laughs) Because you talk to everybody around you. But why would you do that to a child? I didn't do it. Not you. The teacher did it. But why? they did it. That's just the way it was then. I can't explain to you. They just did it then. It's the saddest thing. I love that costume. I had copper wire braided into my hair. Freckles on my face. I had a little hobo costume, kind of. Pippi Longstocking. You think anybody would put Pippi Longstocking in a box? (laughs) I think we can all agree that the answer to that question is a resounding no. Now, at this point in my umpteenth retelling of this story, my folks are laughing at me. I love that you guys are laughing about a thing that has stuck with me for 57, 900 years, and it stuck with me because it was extremely traumatic. It must be me. It was traumatic. No one in my class got that. Yeah, exactly. I got thrown out of the room during singing class. Yeah, I got thrown out of the room every Tuesday, basically. (laughs) The story of the box has stuck with me all these many years later because it changed the way I felt about myself as a kid. And that feeling never really changed as I grew up. Today, as an adult, I almost always think I'm bad or I'm doing bad things or people think I'm doing bad things. I feel isolated from my peers and I have a sense that I deserve it. I have internalized the message of the box that I am a person with problems who needs to be separated from the herd. I reached out to my former teacher, Miss Patterson, to talk about this, and I got this email in response. 
After giving your project a lot more thought, I have decided not to become involved. That is my final answer. No amount of persuasion can change my decision. Well, all right then. But she did wish me the very best in her email. I'm not blaming Miss Patterson for my childhood difficulties. I had problems making and keeping friends way before I stepped foot in her classroom. I'm pretty sure that at the time I had like half a friend. But that particular punishment at that particular time in my life was so othering. It made me feel like I was straight up trash. And it set in motion a self-esteem spiral that still persists even today. Like right this very minute as I'm saying these words. Which is why we should probably take a break so I can compose myself. <laughs> 